Hello, you are listening to the Teleperformance Podcast on Spotify. So thank you everybody for coming to our third podcast. Um, today we were going to speak about um, 2022 Black Health and Wellness. Um, that is the theme for this year's Black History Month. Um, as we were looking at having that conversation, it just became apparent that we, you know, as we start talking about Black health and wellness and mental health, um, we just felt like there is something out there that we needed to at least discuss um, in some aspects. And we've decided to change the format of this call and, or excuse me, this podcast. And we've just, just decided to um, touch on some things that are happening today in the world that are that's impacting us uh, from a mental health uh, standpoint. Um, the primary one that we were going to discuss today is what happened with the mayor lock. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people out there who who are thinking about that, and we wanted to be transparent and open and not shy away from the conversation. This is what Black at TP is about. This is about us being a community and having conversations. Um, sometimes they're not the easiest conversations, but it's okay to to have it and listen it and um, understand. I know there's going to be a video that's going to be played here shortly. Um, and then after that video, we'll have some more dialogue um, with Amanda uh, being our host for this particular show. So with that said, I'm going to pause and let the um, video play. Amir Locke was a legal gun owner with no criminal record. And yet he was shot and killed by Minneapolis police who say they feared for their safety while raiding the apartment where Locke was sleeping. Body cam footage shows that Locke was shot less than 10 seconds after police burst in, rousing him from where he was sleeping under a blanket on the couch with a gun in his hand. It's his gun that police are using to justify his death. All right. So we're back and I'm going to pass it to Amanda, who's going to be our host for this podcast. And uh, let's get into it. Awesome. Thanks, Mo. You know, I'm super honored and blessed to be hosting today's discussion. You know, I think I believe historically we haven't had platforms for this type of discussion, and I feel privileged that we can bring this today. You know, I'm joined once again with our executives of Black ATP and our allies. And unfortunately, we seem to face this issue again. It's horrible, but shocking. And I find myself being numb to the very consistent news on the same scenarios that come up. You know, I, I think about my first reaction when I learned about Amir Locke. It, it, it was not shock or outrage. And unfortunately, it was like a numbing feeling um, of this again. You know, the perfect word would be to desensitize. But then again, I'm back and forth with resentment and continued disgust, which is like pretty harsh words, right? And so it makes me think about um, my first question, which is for the team, of course, if you can describe your thoughts on what is happening today after learnings about Amir Locke, what would that word be? You know, I, I well, I'll start and I, you know, for me, <clears throat> the first thing that comes to my mind is the word sameness. You know, it's 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 more of the same. And. We once again find ourselves in the position of having a conversation 
that we would much rather not have. Um, however, it's a reality and we can't run from it. So so my 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 word that comes to mind is sameness. But also the question. So now what? And it's the same question that I've had racing through my mind for the last few years when we see these kinds of things. So and I agree with, with Bob. I think his sentiments um, are spot on, but I think that I would say tragic would be the word that, that I would say. Um, I mean, all of the things that we've seen over the past few years have been, you know, tragic. Um, and, you know, here we go. And, and you could keep hearing that word again, right? Um, I have the same. Um, that sometimes people will ask me how I'm doing, you know, or what am I doing? And I'll say same thing, different day. Um, I think that's what, what I felt. Um, same thing, different day. Um, but my heart is heavy because I, I, in this instance, it should not be same thing, different day, right? It's still a tragedy. And I think that's what I would say. Um, I would say mine is defeated. I feel like this happens so often that we can't, as a country, figure out how to make it work for all of us. And I feel defeated because I just know that it could have been me. You know, I have a gun, I sleep on the couch, I have a, you know, I, there's a lot of different scenarios that run through my head in this whole process, but. Um, I just, I feel defeated because I feel like we're, everything is so highly politicized that we just cannot get past the politics to start to really do the, the meaningful work in the communities um, to help the situation be better. And it, it, without the legislation and the support, then these things won't stop. You know, they, they'll be... They will continue to happen. You know, we spend, you know, I, you know, you think about what it takes to be a police officer. My family has police officers, and my fraternity brothers are police officers. Um, you know, and then you know, I also have other family members who have who have cosmetology, to, you know, licenses, and it sometimes it, it feels like it's hard to, to become a to to go to get your cosmetology license than it is to be a police officer. Unfortunately, so I, I just feel defeated. I think it's okay to have support and give the officers the tools that they need but um, I think it's just I, I think it's wishful thinking to think it's just going to happen on its own without the proper le legislation yeah and, and and Mo very good point you know when you when you talk about um you just you you just the tip of the iceberg was the, the reference to the training and the tools and giving officers what they need, you know, that that kind of thing. So I want to I want to I, I want the audience to be clear that we are not. On this call to bash the police. Absolutely not. That's not that's not what we're doing. Well, I, I mean, I think I speak for all of us when I say that we believe, you know, police are necessary. Right. Um, nobody's talking about defunding the police or anything like that. Um, however, 
you know, I, listen, I myself, I'm a chaplain for the police in my city. I get, I ride in the police car on ride-alongs. I get calls when things happen in my city and someone dies. So I, I, I know how hard the policeman's job is from where I sit. I, you know, I've, I've, I've been in the presence of some things. So it's, they're absolutely necessary. But when we talk about legislation here, one of the things, and I'm glad you said it because many, many years ago, when probably a lot of people on this call weren't even, um, they certainly weren't born, probably most of them, but in 1961, um, Martin Luther King said, and this is written in his book, um, it's it's Martin Luther King letters. The title of it is I Have a Dream, but it's multiple letters inside of that book. It's writings and speeches by Dr. Martin Luther King. And in one of them, which he, he was writing, he said, it's a time for freedom, 1961. He said, the law tends to declare rights, right? It does not deliver them. A catalyst is needed to breathe life experience into a judicial decision by the persistent exercise of the rights until they become usual and ordinary in human conduct. In other words, laws and legislation are not going to change people. People change people. Right. So we have to continue to have, for whatever it takes, I'm tired. I know Mo, Connie, and Amanda are tired of the, of the things that we see happening in our community. Um, but we can't give up, and that's that. But but that, and that's the hard part. So that's why it's important that we continue on. But we continue on with allies and advocates as well. I agree with that. If I can just jump in really quickly, when I think about this as an ally and as a mother of three black daughters, and and my husband is black, and you know, I've lived in a predominantly black community. And, and so that's, you know, that's my heart. Um, I, I'm just continually saddened and frustrated as I know that everybody else on this call is. And I think where that leaves me anytime we hear another instances of this is what can I do, right? How can I help? How can I um, affect change? And there isn't an easy answer. I think we all know that, or it, it would have <laughs> potentially been resolved at this point, right? So I think that the important thing as as an ally and somebody that cares is I will continue to speak up when I see injustices done. I'll use my voice locally. We've talked about, um, you know, it really starts with who are you voting into office? <clears throat> because at the local level, that's where it starts. It's not just at the national level with our, you know, our pre presidential elections. And so um, while that's not the, um, you know, single thing that is going to change this, from my perspective, while I'm saddened, it also emboldens me to figure out how do I continue to try to help push for the right things. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. You know, uh, with the words collectively, like we have a range of different emotions, right? We have saddened, frustrated, outrage, and then, you know, to Rob and um, Jen's point, we also have encouragement and hope. 
Um, but we think about this podcast, you know, the goal was to talk about mental um, wellness and health. And it brings me like to think about how racism is a public health crisis. Um, the psychology yeah. of it all and how it relates to mental health and awareness is yeah. more prominent now more than ever. Um, and it leads me to the second question um, or thoughts team on the very idea of how all the racial instability we have viewed in the last few years imp impacts us as a community. Uh, Connie, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. What What are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> you can hear me okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, something that Jen said um, really kind of struck me there um, when she talked about um, having children. And so in this environment, um, I have you know, two, two black sons. Um, so I think for me, um, worry not just about my own children but children in our community um, it is how do you get your community to come together um, especially in a pandemic right it's harder to hit to to touch people so i think over the last few years what has worried me is that can we get together as a people what with, with ourselves and with our allies right enough in this environment to address some of the key issues um, that are that we've seen over the last two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Mo, what's your thoughts? I mean, you know, how it, you know, how all the things that are happening, you know, impacts our psychology, impacts our mental health and, you know, reaction, like what are your thoughts or reactions? Um, for me, it's just tiring. Honestly, it's I am. Um, I am mentally, emotionally exhausted. I am. Um, I'm not sure how to be black in America. I just want to be me, and I don't. I can't. You know, I was blessed to be raised in a very strong family. Blessed to to have some. You know, to be able to be, you know, a part of a community that um, was very inviting. But you know, it is stressful, and it 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 is very. Um, Concerning when you just know that you're, you're you're just based off the color of your skin. It's you have to, and for a lack of better word, sometimes code switch just to be able to yeah. um, show people that you're articulate or that you know that you are um, you're more than just your skin color. And it's I don't know why I have to do that, and it, and it, it, it tends to be sometimes very like I said earlier tiring. And um, it does play a, an impact mentally, right? Like, and I'll just speak for myself, you know, being promoted is, I know I work hard and I I know I can kick butt in, in, in the work environment. Um, but sometimes I don't, you know, you feel like how, how do you compete when you have ideas or, and I'm not speaking from a top performance standpoint, I'm speaking just a, work experience standpoint because I've had multiple jobs and then had multiple been in multiple scenarios and I think you know it's hard sometimes when I have to you know you might have a great idea and you get shot down and then someone says the exact same thing and it's like they like like they came up with that 
and it, and it sometimes it margin you know it slows my growth down. I might even become less talkative. I might be even more you know less open to share um, because I don't want to come off as um, maybe not knowledgeable or whatever that may be. But I you know I I think from your point when you say it it, it is a um, you know I. I it is definitely a, a, a um, it definitely has a social impact and it, it definitely impacts me and I'm but I, I again I I'm one person I'm blessed to be where I'm at I am not in any safe way shape or form um, saying woe is me I am just sharing that it is tiring and you know these it does help you know to talk about it um, but I know folks in my situation, I mean, for example, just to bring it up, we had in our first podcast that we had a conversation around how do I get help if someone's not listening to me? And that's, you know, that is a that I can only imagine that person I have feeling like they don't have a voice and what their experiences may be and what they may be going through. And so even that is a mental, you know, I struggle with that because I'm in a position to where I can help folks. And and I we want to, but there's so many people. I'm sure there's more stories out there like that um, that they're looking at us to help and support, and we will. Um, but but honestly, it's just it's a lot to you know to kind of process and think about, and and um, you know for myself, I guess just to you know where to start and where to help these people out. Yeah, you know, Mo, and um, incidents such as we just witnessed in the past few days cause you um, to just reflect back not only to George Floyd, but all of those other names that we can we can we can call out, right? And then we the the added pressure on the African American or the black is that now we have to go into our workplaces and you know when 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 you do that you know there's 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 always this you know race is something that um the 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 African American has had to deal with for since we came to this country, since we were brought to this country. And um, oftentimes, even in our workplace, race is that angel or devil that is always sitting there reminding us that we are somehow different because that's what we've been told all of all of all of this time, right? And this idea, this reality, you know, means that in many, in most cases, there has to be a word that I heard one of you use the other day. We have to have and develop this internal fortitude to understand that this is a reality. You know, um, I'm sure that my need to come to work is different than my white colleague, right? They and they can't understand or relate to 
that added pressure on the African-American. You don't know what you don't know. They've never walked in my shoes. Conversely, I've never walked in theirs. So, so the idea of um, privilege in many cases that are afforded to some is not something that we've had the advantage of having as a whole, right? I've been privileged and honored to, in a career that has allowed me to do the many things I have, but on a whole, it's not. And I think when we understand that this thing called implicit bias, it's always at play. That's going to add to the mental health strain and the pressure, right, that somebody feels because at the end of the day, we're all human and we all have our biases. But 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 this the, the implicit bias sometimes that is done through these through sayings of microaggressions and things like that simply just add to it. So so when we have incidents that happen like this, sometimes what they can do even to an executive is remind you, hey, that could be you. It brings you back to let you know that you need to be aware at all times of your surroundings and where you are. It, it's, it's, it's a shame, but it's the pressure. And it's it's what we've what we've had to live all of these years. Rob, it's 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 not just the pressure. It's the it's that we have to go come to work, right, yep. and act act in a manner that mm -hmm. that has not touched or impacted me in any way, right? So yep. get into I got to go into this mode so I don't show um, whatever whatever happened, and so that puts that added mental pressure mm -hmm. right, on you because you feel like you're not allowed to express what may be impacting you mentally, yeah. you know, from a social aspect or outside of, of the yeah. job. Yeah, 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 it, 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 so it does. It really, really does. And it's a heavy lift, right? It, it, it's a heavy lift. Um, but, you know, I, I hold on to something that I'm sure we all have because every person in the world has faith. Your faith may be in something different than mine, but you have faith in something. And um, so for me, that is what I cling to in times such as this because you have to find an anchor. You have to have an anchor. Because otherwise, yeah, you can let this thing get to you and you can go, you know, far off to the left or to the right. And um, and, and that wouldn't be good for you, your family or anybody else. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Can I I'm going to just jump back in and. Um, you know, it's crazy because it's even in this conversation, I'm doing emotional gymnastics. Yeah. Uh, I think this has probably been the hardest podcast, even in having trying to find the right words of what I'm trying to express. Mm -hmm. And it's just emotional gymnastics trying to process through it. And um, one of the emotions I do feel, though, um, is one, I've just been able to, art you know, do I, how do I sound coming across articulating right. my thoughts? And they're all, I feel like they're all over the place more than they've ever been into any podcast that I've done. Mm -hmm. um, and also, am I being honest with myself? You know, what is really bothering me? What is what is 
and because the question that you asked, um, Amanda, is, is a really good one, and it's so true. And the heart of the, I think the harder problem for me is, I felt guilty when 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 I heard about what happened to Amir Locke, and and I was I felt ashamed of myself because when I heard that he had a gun in his hand, I mentally thought like, why would he do that? Like, why would you have this in your hand? And then, and I, I emotionally beat myself up after I realized, what are you talking about? Like, that is just a, you, you, that is programming that is designed to say that, but that's not really true. And I said it earlier, I mean, I, I own, a, I own firearms. You know, if I'm in the, if I'm in town, I'm traveling, you know, locally and I'm in a hotel, I'll bring my firearm. If I'm if I'm at campgrounds, which you know we go camping quite a bit, I always have my firearm with me, and it is accessible and easy to access. And I couldn't. I was very upset with myself because I couldn't even afford him in this moment. And this is my truth. I felt so upset with myself. I couldn't give. I I unintentionally was biased, and not knowing why. And. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to think that way and I don't want to be that way, but unintentionally knowing that he was even on his cousin's couch protect, you know, for whatever reason, you know, mentally I I assumed that it was wrong just off the bat and and I I I don't understand why I would feel that way, but and, you know that's part of it. That's that that mental gymnastics you know you go through. Yeah, team, you know, I appreciate all the thoughts and reactions that, you know, we've kind of um, incorporated within this dialogue. And I think about our audience as they are probably coping with the same thing. And so hearing your thoughts, your reactions, how you guys are processing, it's, it's super, super important. Um, and it really makes me think about, you know, us being on the board, and you know this aspect or this thought of responsibility, right? How do we, we are board members, right? How do we cre continue to create and foster this feel of support during these times for the folks that are listening? Because it's it's really important for us to do, be it you know continuing with these types of podcasts. But would love to get your thoughts on how do we you know, craft or create this community feel for everyone that's listening to your reactions and to your thoughts. I think that um, just real quick that, um, and I, this isn't a TP commercial, but I'm going to say it. I think that teleperformance has allowed um, an ERG or ERGs, because it's not just black at TP, there's Asian, there's Latinx, there's there's women of TP, there, there are all of those. But we have a platform in a large organization that has afforded us the space to have um, support of our colleagues and friends to go to in the midst of a storm. I Why is that important? Because I think that you know, people need a place to be able to talk. 
the way, you know, we don't want someone in our work environment, on our programs, in our, you know, that that we're working with to be suffering in silence. So if as long as we can allow them eat just the space to where well, we, we don't have to say anything sometimes. Sometimes we have to just listen. Um, <laughs> my wife tells me all the time, I ain't asking you for an answer. I just need you to listen. So I think if, if as long as we can continue to be that, the how is going to be dependent upon the individual situation in terms of what we what we do, what we recommend, you know, that kind of thing. I personally, I'm, I, I, I said it to you guys in private session, but, you know, I'm not a licensed practitioner when it comes to mental health counseling, right? Um, I am ordained and I can do biblical counseling, right? But people need different, different things, different avenues, different resources. Our responsibility is to just be present. And if we are that, that is the best that we can do until we understand and know what the situation is that we're dealing with. And then we reach out to people who might be able to help them, whether it's at another level, whether it's we reach out to Jen, whether we 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 reach out to Miranda and we let them do their thing and or whomever it might be. But that would be my thought, Amanda, as an answer to how we how we do what we can do for the others in the in the company. If I can yeah. just jump in as well, uh, I, I was just going to tag on to what Rob said. You know, what you said really hit me because if you think if you take a step back and we remove ourselves from this situation and you just think about how do we, we, we always talk in leadership about together we're better, right? And you want diversity in action in mind. And I think that having people talk to each other, just like we're saying, we don't have all the answers. We can't change this situation overnight by ourselves. This is not something that, you know, TP is going to fix, but by starting to make people feel comfortable to have this venue where you can talk rawly and openly about what your feelings are and know that it's safe and there's not judgment. And, you know, it's a community of people that really are leaning in together, whether that be, Black employees, you know, um, any other diverse employees, whether it be allies, we are in this together. And that's how I think that we have to start thinking to try to just um, support each other to get through it. Because to, to that reason, we don't have the ability to just change this on our own. So this is a good first start, in my opinion. Um, and we don't want anybody suffering in silence. I mean, I think that's that's one of the worst things that we can see in it's it's found in suicide rates today. You're seeing them on the incline and particularly in the black community and particularly with black women. That's alarming, right? And so that to me says that there's too many people that are suffering without feeling like they've got a voice or a place to go. So I hope that that's what we can create here um, even more so than we've done to this point. Jen, I think that um, having that forum or that ability to just be able to exercise your voice, right? Um, as an individual with um, what you're feeling about what's going on in our community is extremely important. I think, um, you know, offline we've had conversations about, 
um, forums that I've been um, privy to, one called DIME, Diversity Inclusion Network event, is where you take an individual who looks like you or one of your allies, you know, out and have dinner with them in, in a um, different type of environment or in um, environment where you're able to have conversations to talk openly about, you know, how you're feeling, understand how the other individuals are feeling. Um, again, as Rob said, we're not health um, people. We don't have you know, um, degrees in, in health, uh, mental health, but I do think it's important that we have that ability to express how we're feeling and being able to do that, just creating um, environments or many environments where we are able to do that is important for for our group. Mm -hmm. Agree. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Thank you both. I, you know, I think about your, you know, one's voice, right? We think about having the conversation and sometimes it's not solutioning. Sometimes it's just hearing each other out. Um, and it makes it makes me think about, you know, the how do you navigate these careful discussions? You know, I uh, um, I am a mother of two, and with all of these things happening, it's always I'm a lioness. I I I think about them first in terms of how do I handle them first. Sometimes it's just the way a mother you know thinks. You know, one of the questions that I have for the team is how are you guys navigating? Um, these crucial conversations, be it with children, be it with colleagues, or even a mentee or a mentor. Um, I think this, you know, getting your thoughts team on this, I think will be really uh, instrumental on maybe sharing how you guys work through these conversations. So, so, let, so let me start with, with, with the ch children. Um, and, and all my children are grown and I have grandkids. Um, but I have to tell you with the boys, the conversation is a lot different than with the with the girls. And this has been since, you know, they hit puberty, right? And so with, with, with the boys, you have to have the talk. And the talk is when you are addressed by somebody in authority, you know, how to respond, how not to move. Um, you know, some kids have mouths on them, so, so you have to have. Today, my sons are 38 and 39. Um, our code is if they ever get pulled over, they have to call me and put me on a speakerphone so I can listen to the entire conversation. Yeah. Um, and they do that. They don't get pulled over that often, but <laughs> um, they do. I have some, I have one that is very light and have one that is darker than myself. Um, he tends to get pulled over um, quite often. Um, and so he has to, that's that's the code, right? Um, my grandson went off to college, so we did, you know, we got the cam in the front of the car and, you know, we have the, the talk. And so I think the your initial response is you got to have the talk, right? And then when these things happen, you got to have a whole different kind of talk because as Rob stated, it's, it's I don't, I, I think the police have a job. I think that um, they have some things that they have to learn, you know, differently um, in terms of how to interact with uh, people of different cultures. I think that that's the responsibility that the communities have um, to their police officers to make sure that they're equipped to deal with people of different nationalities. 
Um, so I think that the talk looks looks different with with the girls. There is no there is no code. Um, but you know, with Brianna Taylor, we saw that there there might need to be a code with the girls. But I never felt that I had to have um, a conversation with them. But with the boys, I had to establish a framework for, you know, this is how you act. This is what you do if something happens. Here's your first step. Here's who you don't talk to. Um, we have to have that. Um, we have you know attorney that we keep on retainer. So we we you know we we haven't had to use it, but we pay it because that's how we we feel that um, we must um, just as a result of everything that's going on um, in our community. Yeah. Mo, did you want to chime in? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, we do all those things as well um, with our kids, and my mom did those things with me as well. Um, I I also take a an approach with my children to help them understand how we got here. Like they need to be knowledgeable why, um, you know why certain scenarios happen. I have the ability, and God bless it, that you know if my kids got in trouble, I have the been blessed to be afforded the ability to get them to at least get them the support they need to possibly either get them out of trouble or you know reduce charges whatever that may be um and i want to make sure my kids understand that you know not everyone has that they don't have that ability to you know you know go to court and have an attorney show up and then you know, a lot of kids don't have choices. They have to plea bargain and end up going to jail and, and do time and get some sort of record. Um, and so I try to teach my kids to understand that there's socioeconomic issues that are impacting our communities that have changed the dynamics of, of, the, of what's possible. And, you know, my son goes to a predominantly black school, um, a really great football team, um, but like, but from an education standpoint, they're probably, you know, they're not the best in the county. And so he has to deal with, I have to continue to conversate with him of why there's differences between us, you know, our family and, and the families that he sees at school. And so the conversation I'm just trying, I continue to teach him is your words have power. Um, you're not, it's not that you're special. We just haven't, we've been afforded an opportunity to do things different. If you are ever in these situations where you are, have to address authority, you you already you're articulate, you know how, how you were raised, you know my expectations, and I expect him to meet me to meet if I am not available to to support him in, in any situation that could cause him trouble. I do expect him to handle himself as if he was dealing with me that will ensure that he will not get in trouble. And that's kind of the process that I've taught my children. Um, and it seems to have worked. So, you know, that thus far, but again, I mean, it's sad that I even have to have a conversation about it with my kids. It's, you know, it's just, it sucks that you even have to really go there. And, but I, you know, I also think that he knows that he's, you know, he speaks different, you know, he's, you know, his, the, his vernacular is different. Um, but he handles himself ex exceptionally well, and um, that's all I can expect from him. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you know I'm I'm in a, a lot of the same boat as Connie in terms of um, kids in the household, right? Because um, I have none. Um, my my eldest is twenty. Oh, 20. Yeah, I wish 
my eldest is <laughs> my eldest is 42. Uh, it'll be 43 next month. Wow. But um, and then I have a couple of others that are um, well, a, a daughter who's 30. Um, I had another son. Unfortunately, he's he's deceased. Uh, but then I've got some little grand boys and, um, you know, so the conversations that I have are not um, as frequent as somebody like Mo would be having or Amanda and, and uh, even Connie and, and, and Jen with the with the real little ones. Uh, but th that that conversation for the boys is universal in our community, right? I, I had to give it to my son um, years and years ago when he first started driving. Um, my dad gave it to me when I started driving um, two or three years ago. <laughs> but it, 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 it's just it's just a, we all have to have that discussion with the boys when they start driving. Um, uh, where that you know ten and two with the hands and all of that kind of thing. Um, I, I you know we've even gone so far as uh, there's a lady out of she's in Washington D.C. now who's developed this really cool thing. It's called uh, 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 not reaching. It's a little pouch that goes right into your vent from your air conditioner or something, and you put your license and your registration card in there so that when the cop comes, it's right there. And um, she used to be a member of my church. She moved away to D.C. and she's doing huge things with police departments across the country. So what we have to do um, is to gird them up in the best way that we can to be aware of their surroundings. If possible, you know, something comes up, get to a safe place where there's lighting, all those kind of things. And um, I think it's just conversations that we have to have that a lot of other folks don't have to worry about. Um, and it's unfortunate, but we have to keep doing it until, as I said, people change. Um, but it's 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 tough. It's tough, but we've got to just be persistent and and do and do those things. Yeah, thank thank you all for your thoughts. It, it it's funny, you know, to to wrap up my final question. Um, and it kind of segues into the conversation dialogue that we were uh, addressing. Um, I, I think about when the whole George Floyd incident happened, because um, it was really major. Um, I, I wasn't here at this organization. Um, it was my last organization um, where everything happened for me. And when the incident arised, it, it was an overwhelming um, outcry or uh, folks reaching out to me, leaders, executives within the organization. When I say like emailing me, texting me, um, sending messages, like leaving messages on voicemail, um, just calling to say, how can they help? How can they support me throughout th these times? You know, they're listening. Uh, and it was really important uh, because it makes me think about what does support look like um, with our allies, right? Um, and support could be different. I know at the time when I had that overwhelming um, level of support and folks reaching out, I was still processing things. And so I wasn't as quick to reach out to everyone, but it just felt, it felt comforting that I had folks reaching out, checking in on me. Um, and I think 
from my point of view, support looks like listening. Sometimes it's letting me voice my concerns, you know, being present um, within the conversation may not may not necessarily be solutioning, but just being there. And so my final question to the team is what does support look like with our allies? Um, are there any thoughts or um, areas that you guys can kind of tap into personally uh, on this question? I'll go first. Um, it, it, this is a prime example of it. I think Black ITP, the ERG, is a great starting point for us for support standpoint. Um, I think that um, continue having these conversations and be willing to listen. I, we have a platform inside of this ERG that we can share. Um, there's, I have friends who are Republicans and Democrats who, you know, I don't care what side of aisle you, you sit on, but I think it's really important that if we could just have simple conversations, it may help people understand where, where how they can help at the state and local levels from avoiding voting standpoint. <coughs> you know, just to help to 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 make it better for all. And so I think things like this, this ERG, Black ITP, getting involved in our communities um, is a great way to show support. And um, one of them probably, you know, one of the main reasons why I'm just so glad that Health Performance has opened up the door to do that, because I know it's going to help a lot of people. You know, I'm I'm really happy that TP is is opening that that door. I think that's critical. Um, so Amanda, to answer your question, I think that it I'm going to say it depends, but yeah, so I'm going to say it depends. So I think that you know some of the things that are happening external create um, one of the reasons we're having this this podcast is to talk about you know black mental health. And so sometimes when these things happen, I think that. We, we might need to talk, tap into professionals, right? Which, which doesn't depend on you know how that impacts you. And then I think that you know Mo said it is to um, be able to have a group like this or mm -hmm. other groups established where you can come to the table and just have some candid conversation. Again, not for solutioning, but just have someone that you're able to talk with um, and share how you're feeling at that particular time. If I can also just share some advice that I was given, um, in particular, right after George Floyd uh, had died, and I was wanting to know, you know, with my family, we were um, having a lot of conversations that we hadn't had in the past, but um, even with my community, you know, I was asking my friends, how can I actually be a powerful ally? It's it's not just saying I'm an ally, right? And some of the key things that I took away from that were, um, you know, that it's not just tagging yourself as an ally. It's not just posting things on social media, which is great. It's a great platform. It's not enough. It's truly using your voice when nobody's watching, right? So when you see something um, that's happening in the grocery store or just happening out in your general life, it's standing up for people and calling it out, right? That it becomes unacceptable. Um, the other advice that I got that was very, very powerful, and it, it comes down to listening, <clears throat> excuse me, but it was about listening and not taking offense. So as a white person, 
you know, with um, with my husband, with my friends that are black, and they they wanted to be raw with their feelings and very vulnerable and honest. It, it their frustrations were not vented at me as as an individual. It was about the systemic issues, and so I think that as allies, we all need to sort of put our personal aside and realize that this is not about us. Um, so I think those were were a couple of the the primary things um, that I took away, and hopefully that can help um, other allies. And would love your feedback too, just from this panel on if you see that there are different things. So Jen, I I, I think that's some great advice. I think that you know, as a black person, right, I have to equip you, my ally, with information that will help you stand for me, right? So I think that's why it's important for us to have these different forums where we sit with people who don't look like us. We talk yes. to them about the issues that are going on in our community. We um, share our voice and our feelings. And I think that helps equip you and, and your ability to stand, stand with us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that really what you're outlining is education, right? Yeah. It's helping educate. And, and that is absolutely the, the Black community. It's great to have that sponsorship and support, but I think also it's upon us to really dig in. It's it's not it's not for the black community to have to educate every every person right. on why this is bad. But I do think that it's it's a partnership, right? When we we look at it, but we really, um, if you're going to be an ally, you've got to put the time in um, to educate yourself. Yeah, you guys said a lot, and I'll tell you, um, you know, if 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 anybody is at the point where they think that they, and this is critical, um, want to, they're feeling that I want to be an ally, and they're feeling this pull to be an advocate, to speak up for those who, you know, to ensure that there's representation um, at all levels. If you are there and feeling that, you're in the right place because you are what you are doing by feeling that is acknowledging that there's a need for change and change is only going to occur if we have the dialogue and are able to um uh create this space where we can you know people again i go back to the they don't know what they don't know and you know and unless we can create that particular paradigm They'll, they'll never know. I mean, there's no there's no sh no shortcut to doing this work. Diversity and inclusion work is hard. It's exhausting. We've heard most each of us have said it. This is tiring to have to go through these things and then to try to, you know, be your best self every single day. This is tiring work and it consumes the energy that we have and it causes us to think beyond ourselves, right? And to have a vision of not just what's in front of us, but what is beyond this pain that I'm feeling now. That is what's going to continue to, to drive us. And so, you know, in, in conclusion, what I would say is we have a great platform. Let's use it. Um, let's invite everyone in um, because this thing, again, they can change the laws. 
but there has to be the human effort behind that law so that those things become the normal course of action as opposed to just being something written on paper that nobody abides by. And um, so, you know, as tiring as it can be, it's also energizing to know that I believe, listen guys, I believe, and I maybe you heard me say this before, I don't think that there's any greater time to have, to be alive. I think this is like the best time in history that we could be alive. I know in the moment, sometimes we would say, I, I, I don't wanna deal with it, but man, if we keep pushing, there is some change we can make, even if it's small change, right? In our little sphere of influence, um, that's, a, that's a big thing. If we can create an environment where Mo's little kids and, and, and Amanda's little kids and Jen's and Connie's grandkids can feel safer around the other, then, you know, we've helped. So I just want to encourage you guys, let's just keep on going. You know, we'll keep doing this thing um, and we'll do the best that we can do. I'm looking forward to the day that on the podcast and it's the board of black at TP and we got some 20 some year olds on here. We mm. got, you know, some 20 and 30 some year old uh, black executive folks on this phone. Imagine black and white. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. That's that's where we can. That's where that's the impact we can have by yes. by letting people know that they are empowered. So that's what I would say in conclusion. And, you know, I love it. I will say just because I haven't said really, you know, a whole lot, but when you're talking about the support piece to wrap it up, you guys have said so many things that like, I'm just sitting over here thinking about, like, it's all the same stuff that comes to my mind, education. Um, we've had a lot of private talks that, you know, I told you all, especially back when the George Floyd thing first happened, it was about <clears throat> making sure that I was educated, um, you know, going and finding that for myself, like Jen said, it's not, it's not on the black community to tell me what is wrong or what, you know, is being done wrong or what I can do to help. I need to go learn that. Um, so, you know, I get yourself educated. I think it's definitely about taking action. You know, it's again, just mimicking. It's not going and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm an ally. Raise my hand. It's going and being a voice for this community. Um, I think another thing, especially myself, like it's being mindful. You can, even if you're out here trying to make change and you're trying to help be a voice and you're trying to do all these things, it's to be mindful of that starting point that you were really, truly trying to help someone. Um, perfect prime example. The other day, we've, we've been doing these podcasts. We've been talking about being there for people and, you know, things that we can do. And I literally had to take a step back and say, you know, we've been talking about this. But I haven't asked you how you're doing. So how are you doing? You know, um, and that's just a mindfulness thing on my end. And then even the kids situation, like I, I don't have, you know, black children. I don't, I will never know what that's like. But on my end, I think even still as an ally with a child, it's how do I teach my daughter to make your all's kids feel better, like, uh, not feel better, but about being around each other. Like, mm -hmm. how do I make sure that my daughter is not making a, a black child feel like they're not included? 
or like there's something different about that. Because, you know, it's I still have to explain to her not only what's going on, but how we got to this point. And now mm. as you grow up, how do you be a change? Yeah. So on my end, that's what support looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well said. I love it all. I, you know, I I love how the conversation started where we were describing words and, you know, talking about our feelings. And it seems like we're wrapping it up right now uh, in conversations of hope and making an impact uh, and, you know, being that support system. And so, you know, this is this is what we're doing to create that um, within our ERG. And I'm so proud that we created a platform to, to do that, to have this conversation. I'm proud that we took a step back and said, you know what, let's change things up with the podcast and really get um, in the face of this. And, I, you know, I think about, you know, we've engaged with HR, we've talked with the leaders and made sure that everyone knew what we we're uh, preparing to talk about and to discuss, but the wavering of support uh, and being able to utilize our platform this way is extremely necessary. It feels hopeful uh, and, of course, making an impact. Um, so I am thankful for all the thoughts and the reactions from this team. Uh, I'm proud that I moderated this session. Um, I have, I've, I'm processing my emotions as well, um, but I hope that the audience got a chance to see themselves feel, you know, the same feelings as the leaders have. Uh, and really uh, resonated with today's discussion. And for that, um, I think it's a wrap. Mo, any uh, final thoughts on your end? No, it's just been an honor um, to be part of this podcast. I've learned a lot. Um, we've had a lot of meaningful discussions. And I just want to thank the panel again and, and, and our board members and just for having this open and honest discussion and and being vulnerable in these conversations it's not easy to do it's a um but i hope that our listeners know that this is comes from a place of love um that it comes from a place a good place from our hearts and the bottom line of this entire conversation is it's just to share that there's opportunities for us in this world and we're, we we want to be the change that we want to see in the world, and I'm going to continue to say that, and this is one way this, uh, for us to do it. So those are my final thoughts, and just thanks again, everybody, for taking the time and being part of this. What about you? How did you like it? Go ahead and share this podcast. See you later. Teleperformance on Spotify. Feel the connection.